Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve. In that case, he said, you cannot serve God and mammon. But the same is true that no man can ask and seek and knock on both God's door and the world's door. A person is either going to turn to God with his asking, seeking, and knocking, or a person is going to turn to the world of relationships, possessions, achievements, pleasures, whatever. No man can ask, seek, and knock towards God and the world at the same time. It's gotta be one or the other. And so everyone that is asking, seeking, knocking today, they're either doing it on to the world or to God. And if a person turns, then the Lord said, I've got what you're looking for. So the call, Matthew 7, 7, of ask, seek, and knock, is really a call to turn away from asking and seeking and knocking on the door of the world to turn to asking, seeking, and knocking on God's door. It's a call to turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of the world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. But the asking and the seeking and the knocking is a certain type. It's not a curious asking. It's not a half-hearted seeking. It's not a casual knocking, but what the Lord is really calling for is a genuine asking for the gift of God, this gift of this water that's bringing up into eternal life. This is a serious seeking for the treasure that he is talking about that's available, and this is an urgent knocking on heaven's doors. Okay, now, the Lord now is now going from seeing a lost person come with his asking and seeking and knocking to the Lord. He's seeing this person go through the narrow gate and start on that narrow road to heaven. And he sees them there, he's just at the beginning of doing this, and now he comes in in verse 15 with a warning. A warning in verse 15. And the warning is, beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets. Now, you know, we may be tempted to look at that false prophet. Oh, a prophet, he's, he's the one who says that, uh, you know, the world's gonna come to end on this date and so forth. A prophet doesn't just foretell the future, but a prophet also is a teacher, is teaching. And so what the Lord is saying in verse 15 is beware of false teachers. Now, he uses this word beware. It's a very strong word because be packed in to that word beware is the idea of be cautious of. 
be suspicious of, be on your guard towards. I remember when I had just come to the Lord Jesus in 1971, I, was, uh, I came to the Lord in 1970, and in 1971 I was a new believer, not even a year old in the Lord on UCSD campus you know, that bastion of knowledge and wisdom, you know, anyway. So uh, there I was, and, um, and I met some fellow students on campus one time, and they told me they were believers also. Well, now, you have to know that in 1971, there were very few believers on campus. There were no, nobody on faculty that was a believer, and there was not even enough believers on campus to form a campus crusade fellowship group or an intervarsity Christian fellowship group or navigators, it wasn't. So all of us believers kind of huddled together and formed one group, which we called TCF, Trident Christian Fellowship. Now it's different today, there are more. At that time, we were very few in number. So to meet some fellow believers on camp was rare, and it was something different, and so here come these two guys. So I remember I was sitting down on, on a block wall, and I remember that one sat on one side of me and the other sat on the other side of me, and they came on strong. Strong with a question of, have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Now, I'm a new believer. I don't know what this is. Have you spoken in tongues yet? I had no idea what they're talking about. You know, a gift I knew about was a gift of being forgiven, of being cleansing, but they're talking about, you You know, you need to rise up to the next level. Well, I had no knowledge at all. I didn't know. I didn't know the Bible. The only thing I knew was that these guys were coming on strong and they were aggressive and they were putting pressure on me to do something. And that made my guard go up. That made me suspicious. And this is what the Lord is talking about when he says the word beware. Be careful. Don't let your guard down. Look carefully. Look carefully. And when you find something that's not right, something falsehood in what a person is saying or teaching, avoid them, have nothing to do with them. You know, there was a day in the time of the Lord with his disciples. It must have been a beautiful day on the Mount of Olives, Mount of Olives on the east side of Jerusalem, and probably it was in the morning, you can imagine in the morning, the sun is rising, the golden sun on Yerushalayim Shelhava, you know, on Jerusalem of gold, and so Jerusalem is, is looking there, gold buildings with the gold is shining, and the disciples, you can just imagine them with the Lord and others on the Mount of Olives, they're mesmerized by these golden buildings of the temple, and they wanna show the Lord these beautiful temple buildings like he needed to be shown. But anyway, and that's how the day all started. And with an admiration of the temple buildings. And, and then the Lord shocks them about his comments about the temple buildings in Matthew 24, 1. Matthew 24, 1. Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, see ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, that was just a stunning comment. I mean, here one minute, the disciples are basking in the beauty of these temple buildings. They just wanna talk to the Lord about how beautiful the temple buildings are, and then the Lord states that every one of those stones in the temple buildings is gonna be thrown down. I mean, they're standing there on the Mount of Olives. They're looking at the temple buildings of Jerusalem. They're beautiful. In between them is the Kidron Valley. There, and the Lord is telling them that the stones of the temple are gonna be thrown down in that valley in Jerusalem. And you know, for them, it's like, that did it. They thought, boy, it really knows how to ruin a beautiful time. But all of a sudden, the whole atmosphere changes. It changes from, oh, what a beautiful morning, to, oh, what a terrible time is coming. And now the disciples, they have one question, when? When? 
I mean, there are a lot of people around the Lord when he said that, and so you can imagine the disciples just kind of blotted out, so let's pretend we didn't hear it. But then they get privately alone with the Lord in Matthew 24, 3, Matthew 24, 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So they understood that he was talking about the end of the world when the Lord was talking, and he was talking about his return at that point. And so they asked, when, what, when, what? And so they're expecting for the Lord to say something like, well, you know, this country is going to have this great national war with this country, or there's gonna be this, you know, huge natural disaster that's gonna come, a massive earthquake, something like that. That's what they're expecting. But instead, the Lord spoke about what was gonna happen to them when he replied in Matthew 24, 4, Matthew 24, 4, Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no man deceive you. Now, his reply to their question about what was gonna be the indicator for the end of the world and for his return, his reply was all about a personal deception. Matthew 24, 4, take heed that no man deceive you. And we can picture the disciples that, at that point backing away from the Lord with their private question about the end times and wondering, that doesn't sound like an answer to our question. I mean, we ask what's the sign of the end times gonna be, and he tells us to be careful we're not deceived. And so they're maybe wondering, did he really hear us? Maybe he didn't hear our question. But the Lord did hear their question, and that was the answer to their question. Because in the last days, there will be such strong winds of deception that it will threaten the strongest disciple. He said another place in Mark 13, 22, Mark 13, 22, false Christ's and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, the very elect. So the characteristic of the last days is going to be Mark 13, 22, Mark 13, 22, false prophets, false teachers shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, the very elect. It's just like he said in in our verse 15, Matthew 7, 15, beware of false prophets, beware of false teachers. So he says this, beware of false teachers. The first question that comes to our mind is how? How are we going to identify them? How are we going to identify these false teachers? How are we going to identify false teaching? What are the indicators? What are the characteristics? of false teachers and false teaching that we need to be watching for, be on the lookout for, what are the signs of deceivers and of deception? Well, the Lord gave one indication in Mark 13, 22, Mark 13, 22, like we just saw. False prophets or false teachers shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the leg. So this statement, shows signs and wonders to seduce. These signs and wonders are what seduces. Now, so what he's saying here is the one indication of deception or a deceiver is the use of miracles to validate a teacher or a teaching. Oh, this miracle just happened, that means I'm right. Look at the miracle that just happened around me, that means that what I'm telling you is true, that means I'm a true teacher. He's saying watch out for that. You see these miracles 
commonly used to validate false teachers, especially in the area of healing, miraculous healing. I don't know if you, any of you remember Catherine Kuhlman. How many remember Catherine? Oh, too many. Okay, Catherine Kuhlman was a notorious deceiver, and she used miraculous healings, and she used to operate among her many places she operated. She used to operate out of the Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles, LA, where I grew up, the Shrine Auditorium, and she taped her weekly television program there called I Believe in Miracles, and uh, oh, she was something to watch. I mean, she was mesmerizing. She, Catherine Kuhlman would prance across the stage in her flowing dresses, and she would call for miracles of healings, oftentimes a flowing white dress. I know, because, and the miracles that she was calling for, actually a friend of our family's in LA used to work for her, and this man used to line up the people who would agree to get the money to pretend they were being healed. That's what his job was. But anyway, that's not to say that Catherine Kuhlman used all phony miracles because the Lord did not say in Mark 13, 22, Mark 13, 22, false prophets shall rise and shall phony signs and wonders to seduce. The Lord was talking about deceivers using real, genuine miracles to deceive. And Catherine Kuhlman deceived many people, heavily endorsed by Chuck Smith of Calvary Chapel, heavily endorsed by Benny Hinn. And so the first indication of a deceiver is the use of signs and miracles to validate them as a teacher, particularly healings. The Lord gave another indication of a deceiver in the, our verse, in verse 15, Matthew 7, 15, Matthew 7, 15, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. So he's calling out clothing here. The Lord calling out the clothing of the false teachers. Now, Catherine Kuhlman was notorious for appearing in what really was kind of outlandish clothing as she would bring attention to herself with her abracadabra swinging of her hands and, and calling down miracles. And it was interesting because no matter what color dress she wore, whatever it was, full-sleeved or short-sleeved, many of her dresses had the same characteristic where there was this, on the end of the sleeve, whether it was a long sleeve or a short sleeve, she had like a foot of material that was there and, and it hung down at the end of the sleeve. And that was by design because she would wave her hands and swing her hands to the point that extra material on the sleeve acted like a flag, you know, that called attention to her as she would prance across the street. Lots of drama in her performances. And the Lord spoke about clothing of deceivers when he said in Luke 20, 46, Luke 20, 46, beware of the scribes which desire to walk in long robes and love greetings in the markets and the highest seats of the synagogues, chief rooms at feasts. So the Lord calls attention to these scribes and how they love to walk in their long robes. You can just picture that, imagine that, the scribes walking in the long robes in the markets as they strutted through the markets, you know, and the robes were flowing and behind there like flags calling attention to them. I had a friend in Switzerland who used to, he was an Iranian guy, he was my best friend, Mohammed. He used to walk like this, you know. He used to wear a suit. He used to always had a suit and he would walk like that. Anyway, long robes. Okay, so there, that's what Catherine Kuhlman did. That's what she did, this long material on her sleeves. And it called attention to her hands and she seemed to me have these long bony fingers and she would point, you know, with her fingers and 
Oh, her face with her hair pulled back and those eyes flashing. Anyway, she drew tens of thousands of people. She had millions for following. She had a following of millions. And this is also seen in Benny Hinn. Have you ever noticed, I don't hope you don't notice in Benny Hinn, but if you ever do, by accident, watch him. He's always dressed in these strange jackets that button all the way up to the top, to the neck. And especially he likes to wear these outfits in all white. And then when he removes his jacket and swoops it around like a Toreador, you know, with the red cape. Okay, now that's another characteristic is the use of clothing. Another characteristic of deception is the use of truth, the use of light. Deceivers use truth, they preach the truth as the bait. That's the bait, to hide the hook, to hide their lie. Deceivers throw a lot of straight balls before they throw a curveball. And the devil did not come to Eve and say, hello, I want to introduce myself. I'm the devil. I'm come to lead you away from God. I'm the enemy of God. I've come to destroy you. He didn't do that. He says, but that was what the devil was thinking. But he didn't say that. Instead, he said in Genesis 3, Genesis 3, 1, it says, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, yes, yay. If God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden, now, the truth was that God did say to not eat of a tree in the garden. That was true. But the lie that was couched in there, the hook in the bait, was that he did not say that you were not to eat of every tree in the garden. So this is what the devil does. He, the devil is a master transformer. He transforms himself, and he's a revealer of light. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen says, for such false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. So the deceiver looks like a good person, the deceiver looks like a reasonable person. And the scenes that we have of the devil are very interesting in Revelation, Revelation 13, 11. I know you, know, you read these things and say, whoa, whoa, what is that? But just follow it through in Revelation, and you say, okay, here's a picture of the devil in Revelation 13, 11, Revelation 13, 11, and I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. That's a satanic beast, but he's got two little horns like a lamb. You look harmless, the little horns like a lamb. And then in Revelation 9, 7, Revelation 9, 7, talking about the deadly locusts, it says the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. You know, on their heads were as it were crowns of gold, and their faces were as the faces of men, and they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as, as the teeth of lions. So here are these awful creatures of death, these locusts of death. Their shape is like horses, they have teeth like lions, but they have faces like men, and they have hair like a woman, kind faces, gentle hair, but they're deadly. An angel of light. An angel of light, that's a characteristic of a false teacher in deception. There's always, with this angel of light, there's this new revelation, some new truth that you never saw before. Oh, how could I be so stupid? Oh, how could I be so blind? Oh, this person has opened my eyes. Last week I had to review some documents from an organization to see if it would be suitable for endorsement. And so I read through hours, and I studied these 15 pages from this organization and it was obvious to me as I studied this that this was a false teaching, this was a deception. And what was interesting to me is that it contained, in examples there, typical characteristics of false teaching, which some of them were, I could see. False teachers 
see themselves as having a new vision. They have a new vision, a special vision that no one else, and they themselves, they see this and they have a calling, a calling to enlighten others to see this vision. You know that I'm not a Calvinist, so that's no news to you, but it's a special vision of, oh, you only can believe if you were foreordained to believe, if you were destined, no, predestined to believe. That's the only way you can believe. What? I just thought when the Lord said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, I just thought that meant to believe. Oh, no. No, that doesn't mean just to believe. A power has to come. You're depraved. You're so hopelessly depraved. A power has to come to you so that you can believe. Oh, I don't know. A new vision, a new enlightenment, something you never saw before, and all of a sudden it colors your whole scripture. Oh, yeah, elect, predestined. Whoa, couldn't come. No. Okay, second, false teachers emphasize the need for a different practice in the church, a practice which differentiates them. It points out something that's normally done in the church that they identify as wrong, and it has to be changed, and it has to be done differently because this becomes a defining characteristic of them. We're different because we don't meet on Sunday. Or in the case of family radio, we're different because we don't attend church. We just meet instead of family in our homes. Or we're different because we don't use the name Jesus, we use another name for the Lord. Now, false teachers, another characteristic is that false teachers see themselves or see what they're in as a movement. That's an important word, a movement. Deceptive teachers see themselves as a movement, even a revolutionary movement or a modern day movement, a modern day movement. Another one, false teachers emphasize for their followers to be under careful subjection to their leadership. False teachers typically discourage their followers from free thinking on their own. They keep a close watch on what their followers believe and what they teach. Another one, false teachers emphasize that their group is now the place where believers feel they belong. That's an important word. They feel they belong here. Their teaching is so critical of others to the point that they try to make their followers feel like they don't belong with other groups. They may go to other churches, but it's not really their place where they belong. They belong in this new group. And so their teaching leads people to feel like when they're in this new group, this new movement, they found their home where they belong. In this sense of belonging, causes these, their new followers to just no longer feel at home with others. And even family members who don't believe or follow the false teaching, they don't feel like they are attached to them anymore. The person who came to this church and uh, got involved in one of these groups and severed herself from her own following to follow this false teacher to the point where did not even go to the weddings of her children because they weren't a part of this new group. That's the characteristic of deception. And then another characteristic of deception is that to beware of is they lead their followers to have a new way of interpreting the Bible, a new way of interpreting the Bible. They begin to see how the Bible has been falsely taught. It needs to be now interpreted in the light of what they never saw before. These are some of the characteristics of deception, some of the characteristics of deceivers, some of the characteristics that the Lord is calling us to be thinking about when he says, beware of false teachers in 14. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you so much for giving us everything we need, Lord, in your, in your word and with your Holy Spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 